The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelonCPA.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys and a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls and a CPA. 
and my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. The father to three college-age kids and the husband to a beautiful wife. And we have with us on the podcast today, Kyle Torok from the Atlanta Snack Club. Kyle, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Well, thank you all for having me. It, it is a lifelong dream to be on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion <laughs> Podcast, and I'm I'm both flattered and honored to be asked to be here today on my lunch break. So we are flattered and honored that you joined us. Um, we met, the three of us met you uh, at the Mountain Mist, the 50K that all of us did back in January that we talked about a lot here on this podcast. Uh, and so we'll definitely be talking about that with you here in just a few minutes. But I think the best place to start is you're a runner, you're a cyclist. How'd you get into endurance sports in the first place way back in the day? Oh, gosh. You know, um, when I lived in rural Western New York, and today is actually today I've been in Atlanta for 17 years. Um, but before that, I lived in rural Western New York, where I grew up, where I went to school, where uh, I began my one of my seven different careers um, and uh, took a little shuttle bus to and from my employer at the time um, and then decided I would get a bike and ride because, man, it was so nice just sitting there on the bus saving money. I thought a bike would be even cheaper. So once a week, I started riding uh, 12 miles to and from uh, the office, uh, usually during the summer. Um, and then, you know, not long after I moved here and started riding around the city, just poking around, exploring, getting to learn it, looking at maps. And um, then, uh, you know, picked up running from there because it was also a good way to just get to know where I was. Cool. Very good. What started the, I guess, the passion that you might say that you have um, behind forming social groups around, you know, cycling and running and kind of just your love of endurance sports? Probably finding things to share with people. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll to be candid, and this isn't self-effacing, this is honest. I'm not a very bright man. I'm clever and I'm tall and I'm loud. And that's about <laughs> all I got going for me. That works to be a leader. <laughs> yeah, I have a good memory. And then, you know, I have the the confidence of a mediocre white man. People seem to respond to that. Um, so I, you know, would find things riding around the city. I would study paper maps when I first moved here on uh, the days before everyone had GPS in the palm of their hand. And I would, you know, determine I, I wanted to go to this portion of the city or I wanted to see that park. And along the way, if I saw an alley or a little white trail, a cut through or something, I would go ride my bike down that trail or down that alley, uh, walk, you know, through some uh, up some abandoned staircase um, or just see where things went. It was a, a sense of curiosity that um, let me find these things and bring them here. And then, you know, it's kind of the nature of cycling when, uh, or at least the cycling uh, I do and that my friends do, which is kind of like the way you rode bikes as kids. Like, hey, do you want to go muck around in the creek? Yeah, there's this sick trail down there. Let's go find it. Um, so you'd get in the way of like, oh, I found this cool thing. Let me show you. And you'd show it to one another. And that's kind of the way that, um, you know, started forming little little groups, cliques, clubs um, in cycling and running. I know something neat and I think you should know it too. I want to share it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, in a video that we found from Atlanta Bike Fest from 2014, it said that in 2009, you lost your relationship and you lost your job, like right at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so you decided then to actually formalize these groups of friends that you're talking about. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was um, it was a way to uh, cement my place in Atlanta when I felt unmoored by everything else that we usually associate with uh, a successful or sustainable life. Uh, mm -hmm. No employment, no relationship. I had only been in the city like to like a. I don't know, not not very long at that point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just started riding around, getting to know people, volunteering with the uh, then Atlanta Bicycle Coalition, now Propel ATL, um, and making friends through that. That's how I made my best friend. That's how I made my first friend. And um, just getting involved as a volunteer and having passion for it because I was able to do something for others that seem to add value to their lives and to their experiences in Atlanta. And if I was having a positive experience in one way in Atlanta, I wanted to share that with someone else and make sure they were getting the most out of the city that they could. Very cool. What led to the transition from cycling to running? Because Atlanta Bike Coalition, we kind of brought you on here because we want to highlight the Atlanta Snack Club and all of mm -hmm. that. But at some point, there was a transition from being on a bike to using your feet to run around town. So how did no, you get into I, running? No, I still do both. I mean, all okay. the time. Um, they're they're right here in my office. Uh, Surly Straggler, Surly Big Dummy. My wife uh, has an all city space horse. And before, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, our car died the week before. So for 13 months, we were just riding bikes everywhere. We had nothing <laughs> else to cool. do. We had no car. So that is cool. And, no I traffic mean, it's on one the of roads. like, it's yeah, it's one of several periods of my time in Atlanta when I was car free. I did not own a car until we bought our our most recent car, which was in like 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone else, it was it had been like you know a partner's at the time or Hillary's car at the time that we would use. Um, so yeah, so like still doing riding, still doing running, and riding bikes is first. It's rad as hell, and it's a great way to find all these secrets that we enjoy around town. But with you know with running, um, you get to know a lot of people who you know want to do something different. They don't want to just do a five k. They don't just want to run on the Beltline, which the Beltline is fine. I mean, the New York Times, New York Times famously called it. It's it's fine in its context in that it is the only built environment in the city that is specifically and only for the enjoyment of humans. It is car free and people are so horned up for that kind of experience. They haven't had it since they were in college where they could walk everywhere in a small town. Right. It might so that's be car free, but you could get killed by a scooter running on the Beltline. You could get killed anywhere. <laughs> but no, it's true. I don't run or ride on the Beltline at all. Um, it's first of all, it's boring as shit to me. Um, am I allowed to swear on this? Because I just did. I, I'm, I'll try and refrain. You do uh, you, Kyle. All right. I don't know if there are children listening. Um, but, you know, it, it's fine. It's a good starting place for people because it's known, it's accessible. And to a relative degree, it's safe for certain groups like women because they are less likely to be assaulted when there are a number of people around um then say if they were to go run down like uh you know some major arterial or uh some side street that is very shady and less trafficked um so i get its appeal i i find it dull you know and we uh, throughout the club, not just me, but other people in the club, you know, we have this knowledge of the city of these little like uh, pockets that are that are hidden away or these cool little alleys or these places you can just get rough and tumble and scoot down and then be immersed in 
you know, a completely new environment or a surprising set of scenes. And that's pretty much the aim of the Atlanta Snack Club is to take people out and show them what's stuffed between the seams of the city. I, you've said so much that kind of resonated with like my childhood and how I got into cycling and why I did it. This was back in the day where we went down to the creek and to bring us home, my parents rang a bell. Yeah, my mom had a piercing whistle that would carry over the hill. (laughs) And when we heard that, we knew, and she still, damn her, she still does it. Like if we're visiting (laughs) home or we're somewhere with her and we're in the grocery store, we'll like hear it. Or if we're outside, she'll whistle and we'll just come like without even thinking until we get there. And we're like, God damn, we're middle aged. Robotic. Yeah. Robotic response. He still got it. That really resonated with me. And then uh, my daughter, uh, she runs ultra marathons with us. And um, she, when we're running together, especially on trails, she's like, it's almost like a dog seeing a squirrel. If there's a trail that we haven't done that goes off in some direction. And it's almost the same thing every time she'll kind of stop and go, where do you think that goes? How long do you think that trail is? Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I, I think I had sort of lost that, you know, desire to just run down every trail that was out there. So it's really fun to run with her now. She's 19. And it was funny Saturday, we were running together in the uh, Carolina North forest. And I said, Oh man, that looks like a trail we should run down. She's like, I already did that. It doesn't go very far. You know, <laughs> you know, so, so I think those things really resonate. But I guess what I would ask, so I was from, I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Marietta. Yeah. Went to school with George in Atlanta. So, and I did a lot of cycling there when I was in college. Not as much running off of the Georgia Tech campus because it just wasn't that safe. Yeah, maybe. I get it. <laughs> but my question for you is, what is the area of Atlanta that you have enjoyed um, exploring the most? You know, it, it depends on, everything depends on context, right? So it depends on if we're talking in the sense of in an active, uh, participant, um, or an athletic sense, it depends on whether you're walking, running, or riding, because those give you three very different experiences. Sometimes they dovetail nicely, Mm -hmm. but, um, If you're walking, there might be like some really cool things. Go walk around downtown and don't just walk up and down Peachtree. Go on the side streets. Go behind the old federal uh, court of appeals down in uh, Fairleigh Poplar. Go down behind uh, the Ellis and the hotels there. Um, Go and look up at the architecture of South Downtown, Mitchell Street, um, uh, you know, Lower Peachtree, Castleberry Hill. and stop to, you know, have a sense of wonder about things. If you're running, man, it's kind of the same way, but there are so many little parks tucked in, you know, Atlanta's not, it's not contiguous, like inside the city, nothing is contiguous. Um, It's little neighborhoods with um, their interstitials are composed of little shopping areas that uh, have been zoned out of existence, you know, years past. so there's a lot of stuff that's that's older, a lot of stuff that's uh, forgotten, or a lot of stuff that's not quite used. So these parks have little trails, and when you know enough of them, you can stitch them together. So downtown's a great place to go run because there's a lot of things you can see, and there's a lot of ground you can cover. Um, Northwest Atlanta is really neat because there are riverside trails that not really everyone knows down in Riverside. Uh, there's Spink Collins Park, which has some really cool things there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, that gets you over to Whittier Mill. You can get right over to the uh, railroad track down under a trestle bridge, or you can get uh, down to the Hooch and check that out right next to the old brickworks. Um, and saying things like that sounds really 
cool. Sounds really yeah, fun. It um, it's kind of heady, right? It sounds appealing. Like, oh, I want to go poke around the old brickworks um, <laughs> where Scoob and the gang will solve yet another mystery. <laughs> um, and, it, and if you're if you're writing, you know, you can stitch together even more of these things. You can go and you can cut through little parks. You can get down to, um, you know, Southside Park or uh, over to Lake Charlotte Nature Preserve. Uh, you can get all the way up to Bolton um, or up by Standing Peachtree Park. Um, so it it really depends on the context. My favorite place to go run is um, pretty much everywhere. Like I, I enjoy running through like uh, the Prado because there are cool things in there that you can then stitch together with um, Atlantic Station, bring it down into Midtown um, and get through a bunch of alleys. Midtown is riddled with alleys. Grant Park is riddled with alleys. Um, anywhere, basically, you can find a power line cut uh, or a nasty hill uh, and a little park, a neighborhood park. Those are the best three things you can bring together because you're you're generally going to get some different terrain, uh, something that surprises you, a little bit of nature, a little bit of city, um, and maybe uh, something very scenic to delight you. Very cool. Um, I think that one of the reasons, and I'm, I'm listening to you talking about the exploring and all the various places you've stitched together. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people are frankly fearful of exploring um, is because they're worried about being endangered. Um, they're worried about finding themselves in the wrong neighborhood um, or or getting lost or or uh, accidentally staying out after dark or something else like that. Um, uh, what do, what is your response to that? Um, uh, what, what do you think about that? I think that's valid. I mean, ha we've all been in the world. We all know it's a hellscape. Um, and, you know, again, it depends on on the context for it. So I, I think those concerns are valid for people. If they don't know an area, they don't know what to experience of it. They don't know what their experience will be. So they might see like a neighborhood that they never go to because it doesn't have the services or the amenities that they use. Those are all located in a different quadrant of the city or a neighborhood in the city. Um, so they stick near those places. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a willful effort to go somewhere with the intent just to see that place. Not to go get coffee there, not to go, you know, see the new mall or shop or restaurant or anything like that. Um, if you say, I want to go explore this, I've never been to this park. Like uh, every week we do what we call a quad camp in Perkerson Park, which is actually in my neighborhood. Um, and we just run hills there for an hour. And then we sit around, we shoot the shit for an hour. And, um, you know, everyone has beverages uh, from the Community Beverage Trust. Everyone's just hanging out, talking. Um, but so often, there are so many people that come to this park, this 60-acre hidden semi-wild gem in South Atlanta. And they say, I never knew this existed. Part of it is because they had no cause to go there. And part of it is because they look at a map and they see a neighborhood, but the neighborhood doesn't resonate for any any real uh, any real sense. And if they have fears of a place, I think that is valid. It may not be justified, but I think it's valid to have those fears, especially for uh, women and uh, basically, you know, people of color, uh, LGBTQ community, people that experience a lot of blowback, hate and uh, danger in their normal lives. They don't know what to expect where they live. So if they go somewhere unfamiliar, 
it is very valid that they might have that fear. So, you know, that's why when we go to these places, these unfamiliar neighborhoods that uh, we have gone through and already vetted, it's not like we show up and just say, let's let's wreck up the joint. Um, we we take them to places and through like causeways and bypasses that we have checked out and that we know the risks inherent, uh, you know, with that. Uh, so we'll tell them, you know, watch out for these roads, watch out for that hole, watch out. You might experience some chuds from the sewer, whatever it's going to be. It might be a hawk attack. Um, but we never take them someplace. We never put our people in active danger. The worst they're going to get is tetanus. And we try and encourage everyone to get like a booster. Right uh, y'all, everyone listening at home, make sure you get your tetanus booster. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, to summarize, yeah, I think I think those fears are are valid, but maybe not justified, and can be dispelled with some care. So so quick follow up, can you talk to us about you mentioned vetting the places that y'all explore? Mm-hmm. Um, can can you talk a little bit about your vetting process, like how you actually go about doing that? Yeah, um, much of what we have so far for Alley Run, which is our like signature run, uh, it's always five miles. We have a 10-minute pace. We've added a 12-minute pace because it's growing too large to manage with just a 10-minute pace. And people want to be part of it, and they show up. They're a little slower. So we have, uh, we have what we've been calling the find-out group and the fuck-around group. Um, <laughs> but we, we never go to an area that no one has been to and no one has tried. Um, much of this comes out of my own knowledge, you know, and I, I look at maps very carefully. Uh, I'll go out and run the route ahead of time or ride the route ahead of time, uh, just to double check, like where there might be hazards. If there's like a hidden pipe, someone might fall over, or if there's a hole or if, um, you know, part of the trail has washed away or, you know, to make sure there are sidewalks there, which you're not always conscious of. If you ride by a place and go, oh, that's hella sweet. Um, you might, not think, you know, oh, there's no sidewalk there because you're only focused on your environment in that context. Um, So yeah, so if someone designs a route, and most of the routes are designed by me, we've had a few other club members who have contributed to or designed routes, we'll go out and we'll run it together ahead of time to put our heads together and say, what if we went this way instead of that? Let's not go around that pond because it's too stanky. We're going to go over here where it's dry and no one's going to fall on their knees in the muck. you know, make sure that everyone keeps their head on a swivel coming by this interstate exit uh, and watch for this low bridge when they come through this uh, hole in a fence. So we go and we make sure everything is up to snuff. And if there's something we don't like, there are routes that I have abandoned um, and never taken anyone on for these runs. Like all my, all my, you know, hooligan cycling buddies, sure. Um, uh, But I, I don't, I won't put anyone in active danger or elevated risk. What is the size of this group? You said it got too big for a single pace group. Yeah, it's nebulous. Uh, Sometimes, you know, when we started doing this years ago, there would be like two, three people that would show up in addition to me and uh, Hillary, my wife, who is also our awesome illustrator. You remember the stickers I gave you. Those were all Hillary's work. uh, but the last alley run we did, we had 41 people. That's which, incredible. Yeah, it's it's pretty two. sizable. Um, we're almost ready to go storm castles with that large a mob. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that becomes almost um, unwieldy 
you know, you oh, think of, you know, I used to do like 30 to 60 person cycling ride. Now you're in the road, but that becomes unwieldy until people get strung out. So I can see putting 40 people on a sidewalk run. You've got a quarter of a mile. No, yeah. here's the trick. See, there's a, there's a trade-off to how we operate this group and how we do it. One, it's not very public. I'm not on Strava. We're, you know, I don't put anything on there. Uh, if you want to find out routes or secrets from me, ask me to go running with me. I'll show you, but I'm not going to tell like a stranger. Any of my buddies who ask like, where is this? I'll tell them right away and I'll give them maps and, you know, little uh, screenshots and tell them, here's where you park. Here's where you go through the fence. Um, but uh, we we don't give out the route ahead of time. We never mm -hmm. do. Uh, only two people that are like real tight in with the club who have been coming consistently to uh, a variety of events who have stepped into like leadership or responsible roles um, like Rob or Aaron or Jamie or Hillary um, shout out um, and uh, we'll make sure they have have the roots and know the roots so that one of us can lead the front group one of us is a caboose with that group and then someone's the conductor for the second group and a caboose for that group because we don't want anyone to fall behind. We tell them it's going to be five miles. We're going to keep it at this pace. Do not pass your conductor. If you do, we will change the course without telling you. So <laughs> we make, instead of punishing, because we've all been to group runs, it's like uh, a couple of folks go out and hammer sure. because like, if you want that kind of speed prefontaine, there's a track down, you know, at the school and you can go hammer away all you want. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to go and have an experience together. And it sounds, usually I'm leading it. It sounds like a big cocktail party behind me. Everyone's chattering away about their days, their books, getting real intimate and weird with their gossip, which is great. Um, but if someone passes, I won't tell them where they turn it. I just turn. And then That's they- awesome. They have to catch up. So instead of punishing the people that fall behind the lead pace, we keep the pace to something that is fast enough to make it engaging for uh, for the speedy folks, but accessible enough to those that are trying to be faster. Um, and that way we keep everyone in a little pod. We keep them together. We keep them safe. And we keep them, most importantly, we keep them engaged with one another. We've had people find you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of good friendships out of this, best friends, uh, new jobs, uh, wine tasting buddies. Um, <laughs> so it's cool to see like from keeping everyone together and their conversations in flux, um, they really develop some interesting relationships. Okay. Let's take a step and talk about, uh, this group, this everyone, and, just talk about the formalization of the Atlanta snack club. Mm -hmm. I, personally saw you, I guess the dinner the night before a 50 K race from across the room and could oh not figure my. out. <laughs> That's not helpful. Actually, he's a, Kyle. He's, he's, he's a married man, Michelle. <laughs> no. Anyways, you had on an Atlanta snack club hat, but it looked like an Atlanta track club logo, but it was like hard to read. And I think I asked George, I was like, what the fuck does his hat say? Like, what is the, is that Atlanta snack club? No, what, um, what, what you asked was, do you think they did it on purpose to sound and look like the Atlanta track club? <laughs> that's I was probably like, exactly. I was like, asked. yes, Michelle, that's how satire works. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't under, yeah. Satire is very hard for me. I, my brain works a little differently than, than yours, Kyle, but it's okay. It's all right. We're all, we're all here to just learn from each other. Absolutely. Anyway, 
tell us a little bit about, you know, when you codified Atlanta Snack Club. Um, and also, I know that there's a nonprofit. Um, it is a nonprofit. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what that means to you and kind of what those efforts and uh, fundraising and funds go to. Yeah. Um, we, uh, a couple of buddies and I used to do, um, used to have our own little run uh, group. It was called the Centaur Run Club. Uh, or Centaur Running Group. I forget. It's been like over a decade now. But um, then we started doing, uh, we started doing an event, um, and we put it under the Atlanta Snack Club. The name actually came from uh, Jason Green from Yeti Trail Runners. He oh, modified no. one of his shirts one time, and we were like, "Oh, that sounds fun." So we asked him, you know, "Do you mind if we take it?" He was like, "No, go ahead. That's great. I love it." Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I have a tattoo of Jason Green on my ass. Don't okay, show guys. <laughs> no, I'm not going to show it. This is this is for the most pleasant exhaustion nights. Um, so yeah, no, Jason and I, Jason and I go way back and After we're, hours. we're good buddies. We're good buddies. Um, so yeah, Jason, Jason was like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we started doing things under that name because it seemed, you know, like a fun time. Um, it's nonsensical. It's confusing to people, and that's kind of the way we want it. Um, we don't make a lot of sense. Our friend Cody. See, guys, our... it's not just me. It's, it's that's it. No. He wants to confuse people. No, I want. I don't want to confuse people. I want people to put in the effort, and I want people to get in. Dude, I'm work. trying. I've tried for like six months, and I and I love it. You're doing. You're doing the Lord's work, Michelle. You're doing a great job. Um, no, uh, you know our our friend and team member Cody um, described it as an alt run club. We've described it as a uh you know a feral run club or an anti-social coffee clutch uh we've described it in a number of goofy ways and built this mythos of traditions that uh exist within the club if you can find it and it, you stick with us you know that's pretty much how we judge membership you just keep showing up um and you're willing to contribute to it and you know, with your spirit, with your jokes, with um your participation and just being a friendly face welcoming everyone else um so yeah That's so we great but what about the snacks oh I, we also bring a lot of snacks at all yeah i kind of shot myself in the foot with this because it was like oh it's a run club not a snack club but then i end up baking a lot for the club i used to be a baker so i bring a lot of stuff bake a lot of stuff for the club so like usually the the last sunday of every month we go to Southside park here in atlanta it's just inside 285 the only itp trail system that Atlanta has. It's about eight miles of trails right now. It's really great. Uh, built by Mountain Bike Atlanta. Shout out. Um, but uh, yeah, so when we go there, I'll bake something for whoever shows up. Like I'll make cinnamon rolls the la like yesterday or what Sunday I baked a rhubarb nectarine pie, you know, bake pretzels sometimes, cookies, whatever. Um, keep it simple. Yeah, simple and fun <laughs> until casserole night. And then I'll make like a, a three tier cake. Um, that's, that's our end of the year social. Um, but is it a casserole or a cake? The cake is yes. a cake, but everyone else brings casseroles, um, okay. or desserts or whatever they feel like. I don't, as long as they show up in their robes, I don't really, you know, I'm not going to talk about, uh, you know, yeah. tell them that they're wrong. Um, so where was, oh yeah. So yeah, there is a nonprofit bent to it. We, we raise some funds to give away to good causes in town or, 
you know, uh, folks that are contributing either to people's experience with um, with running in the way that we run uh, or mutual aid groups that contribute to people in need. So we've given to hospice care, to the Atlanta Community Food Bank. We've given to Free 99 Fridge and uh, the Grocery Spot. We have contributed quite a bit of money to Mountain Bike Atlanta because they build and maintain trails all around Metro Atlanta, including uh, trails that a lot of runners use like Soap Creek um, so and Southside Park, of course. So, you know, we everything we take in through merchandise or our little bootleg uh, hard scrabble events, we give away to some charitable organization or mutual aid group. Um, we did one of our larger events, Mary George's Revenge, just uh, around midsummer um, or, or around mid June, and gave that to uh, Presencia Atlanta, which provides um, you know opportunities um, in housing initiatives, uh, enterprise opportunities, and what is the other one? Um, after school programs for children, uh, especially in immigrant families, in uh, on Buford Highway. So, I mean, we can do a little bit of good. We don't raise like a hell of a lot of money, but we get people involved in a sense of philanthropy through that. And we're able to show them, look, the little money you gave us, we gave away in turn to someone that needs it more. Right now we have a summer book bonanza going and everyone was able to raise $1,100 to give away to public libraries. And I mean, it's not running related. We are going to have a, a, a race in addition to it, but it's mostly because everyone, whenever we have our runs, ends up talking about books and what they're reading or what they want uh, to share with someone else. We have very, a book club. Very cool. Oh, you do? <laughs> no. We do. So we, we do. do. We do. We have a book of the quarter about? that we the read. Three of us, the three of us so, have a book club. So the three of us I have a book it. club. And, and, and several listeners uh, will, will, will read our <laughs> books of the quarter. This uh, this quarter, our book of the quarter is uh, is Choosing to Run by Des Linden. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about those events. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to hear more about them. You mentioned Mary George's Revenge, the, the one you have during the summer. You mentioned the Summer Book Bonanza here. Um, can you tell us about some of your events and kind of how they look? Or can you tell us that? Or, 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 or can you only tell us the dates and people have to show up to kind of see what they're all about? Oh, no, people have to buy tickets uh, for them. <laughs> like the ones that are ticketed, like we keep it at that. You know, if we say it's going to be 30 tickets for Tales of Terror, it's going to be 40 tickets for Mary George's Revenge. That's it. There's no wait list. There's no day of. Mm -hmm. And if people show up and try and like, you know, no one, we've been very fortunate that we've not encountered anyone who's pushy, anyone who's rude, anyone who makes anyone else feel uncomfortable. Everyone has come with a, a glad spirit and uh, just a good sense of making others feel comfortable and enjoy the experience as well. We've been very fortunate in that. Um, but yeah, we we put together events that we think, you know, in terms of like, what would we like to do? What would we like to experience? What are some neat things that no one else is experiencing that we want them to do? So mostly it's to get people to those areas and give them something they can share with one another. Uh, rather than say, you know, this is going to be, a, you know, a fast paced 5k peach tree qualifier. We for Mary George's Revenge, they show up and 10 minutes before the race, we give them a cue sheet, we don't give them a map. And we say, good luck, go figure it out. You have to find this, you know, uh, you have to go on this trail into an abandoned train yard that has a uh, cone on top of a um fire plug and you got to take a hard right and go 90 degrees across an abandoned lot into the woods. Um, that's the kind of directions they get. 
And then it takes them up and down one of the worst hills in Atlanta, Mary George, Mary George Avenue in Northwest Atlanta. It is a 23% grade going down and then going up the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, wonderful things happened there. This year, Mark Nesbitt, a professor at Emory University, um, showed up and said, did we meet at the Mountain Goat? Last year, I was in Syracuse, New York to run the Mountain Goat 10 miler. And he was in the crowd next to me, saw much like Michelle, I had an Atlanta snack club shirt on and said, what is that? Is that a snack club? And I said, no, it's a run club. Can't you tell? And he said, I'm <laughs> moving. I'm moving to Atlanta in August. And I said, great. When you're there, look me up. His friend signed him up for Mary George's Revenge. And he showed up and said, I wondered if it might be your group. That's so and, cool. And so we were reconnected more than a year later. It was fantastic. Wow. It was the high, honestly, the highlight of my month. Mm-hmm. So okay. I've got a quick question. Yeah. And maybe I missed this. These events, they're not just runs. There, there's a theme. There's an activity. There's yeah. something going on. Can you? But like, there are, but there are also runs, though, right? Yeah, there are runs right. and there are events. We have. We do alley run, what we call alley run, uh, twice, sometimes three times a month. Um, uh, we do one that's on Saturdays that's just for newsletter subscribers. That's one Saturday out of every month. And then we do two like evening alley runs where we go five miles at those 10 and 12 minute pace groups um, through power lines, secret parks, uh, abandoned staircases, dead end roads, gravel alleys, all sorts of stuff. The sort of stuff that you know, um, Eric, you and your daughter might, you know, in passing go, Hey, let's go check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, all the fun stuff about which you might be curious, but might never depart. If you are, you know, pursuing a different kind of goal, our goal here and what we endeavor to make everyone else aware of is that they can have a goal of just going out to check things out, just explore, just go see what, what the rest of the built or, uh, built environment or, you know, extant built environment um, has in store for them. But then there are some things like Tales of Terror, which we do with uh, Victoria Lemos, host of Archive Atlanta, um, where we do a three mile running tour of places downtown um, that are, uh, you know, have tales of terror associated with them. Um, You know, stories of the macabre, of body snatchers, of murder, of mayhem. Um, and, you know, we limit that so that the group is, uh, manageable, but also so everyone has a good experience and they're not just a face that's lost in a sea. We want them to be people that are seen. So, um, it raises less money, but it also gives them a better, uh, and unique experience. But then like alley runs open, that's free to everyone. Quad camp is free to everyone. Our, you know, runs at Southside Park are free and open to everyone who wants to come and try something different. So Atlanta Snack Club is uh, something different. I would probably, that's a pretty mild term, but you do some mainstream things in running also, right? Like we just talked about the Mountain Goat Race up north and we met you at the Mountain Miss 50K. So how do you kind of separate um, what Atlanta Snack Club is going to do as a group and also kind of keep to your own personal running goals, whether it's a race for fun or distance or time. What does that look like for you kind of year to year? My experience with running is the same no matter what, that I'm I'm there to experience it. I'm there to enjoy it and have fun. I'm mostly there. Like I don't I don't run with music. 
I, I like to be in the environment and I like to come away with stories. Mostly that's what I'm into. I want you liked to... the mountain mist environment. You you that I was did. fun for you. Okay. No, I mean, well, it's type B fun, right? You know, <laughs> that in hindsight, even my wife, like Hillary, that was her second 50K. At, at, when she finished, she was like, oh, God, I hate it. It's terrible. On the drive home, you know, uh, after uh, after we went back to the hotel, rested and everything, uh, on the ride home, she's like, I think I could do it faster next year. Right on. Oh, that um, is a horrible trap. <laughs> Right, right. But I, you know, I believe in her. I know she can. Um, and this year she'll be doing the marathon at Mystery Mountain Marathon, October 8th in um, Fort Mountain State Park. I will as well. And we're sponsoring that this year. We're one of the sponsors because it is a great race. So my my running is never for time or competition. Um, I, I, I want to be there and enjoy it. I want to see others enjoy it. So if I get to talk to people along the way or I see people before or after old friends or new friends like Mark Nesbitt at the Mountain Goat Corral um, or I wind up uh, you know, uh, in the middle of a race with someone I haven't seen in five years, it is a magical moment. If I get to run uh, around a corner and there's a, a beautiful vista. It's very akin to my boyhood, uh, boyhood in rural Western New York, where all we did was range around on the hills, um, you know, throughout the the county and our town. Um, and it's, you know, it's a beautiful moment for me. So I just want to be there and enjoy it. I'm very fortunate to have the use of my body. And I want to thrill and exult in that as long as I can. So I, I don't see it as a separation at all. This is just a different uh, context of running uh, with the Atlanta Snack Club that maybe some others haven't uh, considered, but it, it is something that is a, a skill of mine or something I can see that I want to share with them. And I want, I want to offer it to them to experience. I think things like this are so cool. All right, so we're going to have to wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Um, and so we, we definitely want to hear about how folks can follow you and of course if they've been inspired by by what you're talking about how ultimately they can take part in some of your events and 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 some of your alley runs uh, and trail runs and that sort of thing i want to real quick though because i don't feel like we hit on this quite enough mm-hmm. go back to the snacks sure <laughs> and so so you mentioned the you mentioned that that, that you are you you bake frequently mm-hmm. um uh for the group but um is there some uh is there like a, a practice or tradition built into the alley runs for example around like having snacks or somebody bringing snacks or snacks being involved you mentioned the uh the community beverage trust a little while ago so i'm just kind of wondering about the snack aspect again yeah What's uh, in the trust <laughs> whatever people want to bring uh the community beverage trust is in the care of hillary and and me um, and we bring whatever's remaining to whatever run we're going to have. And then whatever anyone wants to pay in or take out of the community beverage trust, this is all driven by, uh, their contributions and their desires. So sometimes we'll end up with some really fascinating beers we have a few folks who work in the industry and they'll bring some good stuff. That's um, fun. and then we have some folks who are like, uh, I went to this pool party and I got this strawberries and cream <laughs> ipa <laughs> our friend grace brought us a sack of these like like fruit and cream ipas last year um, no thanks grace <laughs> they, they don't they don't and, and they're around. still in the trust they're somewhere <laughs> still floating around here yeah yeah so it's whatever whatever people want to bring whatever people want to contribute and you know the nature of it people will throw down like 
a six pack or bring like a 12 pack or something, or just like two or three rando beers they have kicking around the back of the fridge. Uh, or they'll bring like some seltzers or uh, kombucha or whatever they want to contribute. We don't put a requirement on it. If it needs a little padding, I'll pad it. You know, I'll go out and get some beers and, uh, you know, prime the pump, so to speak. But people are very generous. They'll bring like, you know, a 12 pack and say, I'm just going to drink this one, put the rest toward the beverage trust, or here's 10 bucks. I haven't been contributing to the trust for a while. Um, they all get a sense of how it benefits them and how it benefits the people with whom they form these relationships. And uh, we don't ask them to contribute. We say, if you want to contribute, you can. And they do of their own, of their own volition and their own desire to be part of this. It's kind of a way in which they have a membership and ownership stake in the club. We don't have formalized membership. Just if you keep showing up, if you're, you know, spirited enough to uh, be open and vulnerable and weird, then, um, you know, we're going to listen to your stories and we're going to cherish your friendship for all time. Big heart. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kyle, so we want to um, honor your time stop shortly yeah. here, but let us know, like, how can we find you? Everything is a secret, but it's not really a secret. So if someone's listened to this and they want to figure out what is the next run for Atlanta Snack Club or the next event, want to check it out. What is the best way for them to, to find this information? You can find us on our website, which is atlantasnack.club. <laughs> Or on Instagram, which is Atlanta Snack Club. We also have a poorly written, cuss-filled newsletter uh, that we put out once or twice a month that gives you a little, little bit of story, uh, some maybe some good copy, but also lets you know about um, you know some things that won't be publicized on Instagram or won't be publicized uh, on our website. So a little bit of you know deeper secret for people that want to find it. And if you want to be there, then you know you'll be able to be there. We we make this accessible enough so that people who have a desire to try it, a desire to be there for something a little bit different can do so. And, you know, that's not to say that things that are plainly visible, that are right out in the open and accessible to everyone through all sorts of means, that those are any lesser. We just want, this is the experience we want to be able to share with people uh, the way that we can. Um, so if they want to be there, eventually they will come and try it. If it's not, you know, our motto is it's not for everyone. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Very good. Kyle Torok from the Atlanta snack club. Thank you for coming on to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. This was super fun. Hashtag blessed. Thank you all for having me. It was a, <laughs> it was a delight and I can't wait to host you at an alley run or quad camp. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. 
Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelloncpa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.